If you're trying to get to a new place in your business life and your sales life, then chances are you can learn from some of my mistakes. I have made tons of them, but I'm going to share with you five today that still haunt me. And the reason I'm doing this is because I don't want you to fall into the same trap that I did. So today, I'm going to talk about the five mistakes that I think, as near as I can tell, have cost me about $5 million of revenue, income, however you want to put it. And that's what's going to happen on today's Bill Kasky podcast. Glad you're here. You know, when I think of topics for this podcast, I'm constantly thinking about, well, what angle should I take on things? Because you get tired of hearing me lecture. You don't, you don't need another lecturer in your life, I know. But I also know that sometimes instruction, whether you call it instruction or lecture, is good because I'm going to be able to share with you things and I'm going to be doing this in upcoming episodes. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about a client that I had and I did some training, and then they came back a month later, and I asked them what they'd learned. And I want you to hear some of those things, because we talk about them here. But sometimes somebody else can give it a different voice than I can. But I'm always looking for an angle. And one thing I realized is that I don't talk enough about uh, my mistakes and my errors. And I don't mean I don't talk enough about me. I do talk a fair amount about me. But I think we can all learn from each other's uh, past, you know, misgivings or mistakes or failures, whatever you want to call them. And so I want to share with uh, you five today in the spirit, not of you feeling sorry for me. You have, there's no reason for anybody to feel bad about these mistakes for me. I don't, I think they are lessons in the future though, because if we have made these mistakes in the past and we come to grips with them and we get clear on them, I think it'll prevent us from making similar kinds of mistakes in the future. And I want you to be the benefactor of this. I want you to learn from what I've done wrong and then maybe correct yourself. And probably some of these, you're actually feeling like you're doing right now. And by me bringing it up, you you become more aware of it and can take corrective action. So mistake number one is I let fear stop me. And you've heard my story before, or maybe parts of it, where I was not a, I was a self-confident kid on the outside. But on the inside, not at all. I was, I was wearing this badge of persona. I still do to an extent. Sometimes when I go into an uncomfortable situation, you may have felt this too, as you, you kind of summon the energy to make sure nobody sees that you're uncomfortable. And so you'll wear this armor and badge persona that says, oh, everything's great. How you know? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, we've all had that interaction with people or we've been that guy. But I was not confident on the inside, and I was full of uh, anxiety. Uh, I, I don't think I was ever bullied. I don't think there was any major trauma, although, you know, psychologists probably say, well, there's got to be. If you, if you didn't feel self-confident, then there has to have been something. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way, the way I was brought up, the era I was brought up in. Uh, I always felt a, a little less than other people. And, uh, and it was all circulated around fear. And so my lesson to you is find, and this is what I should have done and didn't, and, and do, do today is when I have an idea that I get enthused about and then back off on, there's something going on. 
there's something going on that is causing me to back off or not give it its due, uh, not brainstorm through it, not talk to my team about it. And I don't want you to do that. Because if you have an idea or your instincts are telling you something, there's something there. There's something there. Your instincts, your gut wouldn't summon you to the table and say, hey, here's something you ought to think about if there wasn't something legit to think about. But what we do is we get the movie working. Well, you know, I tried that before or, well, you know, how that work? I mean, I don't, I don't have the whole plan laid out. So therefore, how good of an idea could it be? Or Rodney Dangerfield's old line, uh, why would you ever want to belong to a club that would have you as a member? <laughs> why would you ever, why would you ever consider an idea that came from you a good idea? It came from you. And I fight that a lot, but I let fear stop me. And so here's my recommendation here. If you find that there's an area of your business life, and again, we're, we're focused on business life here, but it could be anywhere where you're just, you're not, you're anxious about, it probably has something to do with fear, uh, apprehension, anxiety, fear, whatever, whatever word you want to assign to it. Uh, I want you to become familiar with it. Once you become familiar with it, it dissipates to an extent. It doesn't go all the way away, but at least you can. I heard a guy the other day said, whenever you're afraid of something, imagine yourself in a car sitting side by side with that fear or with that you that is afraid. And the whole idea there is to embrace it and say, okay, if there's fear here, there must be something here. If there's some running away from, there must be something worth running toward. And I didn't realize that in my younger years. And so if you, if you feel like there's some place where fear stops you, I can relate to it. Just burrow through it and become familiar with the, with the emotion and let it be known that there's something there if there's fear. Mistake number two, I believe I thought too small and still do. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it comes from, you know, a constant desire for humility, a constant desire to not be big. You know, I'm 6'5", 210 on a good, on a good week, 215 on a bad one. And I'm a, I can be a kind of an imposing character. I mean, all you're seeing me here is from the, from the waist up. So I'm not really imposing. Plus I'm in a little tiny screen. But when I show up for events, you know, people say, wow, I didn't realize you were that tall. And uh, I'm fairly fit, fairly fit. And I think I have always felt like I was too big for the occasion, and so I would shrink. Uh, Bo Eason brought that to my attention years ago when I worked with him for a period of time on speaking. And he said, Bill, you know, you're a large creature, not, not overweight, not obese, not large in a negative sense, large in a positive sense. But when you speak, you're very, you're very contained. Everything stays in. He says, if you're on a big stage, you've got to be big and you have the ability. It's hard for a 5'2 person to be big, but it's easier for a 6'5 person to do that. And I think that is a metaphor for thinking too small. And so if you find yourself in that mold of, well, I've got some dreams, but things are pretty good right now. I've got, uh, I'm married and have a nice family and I make a good income and I live in a, in the suburbs and things are pretty good. And we have a lot of little league games on the weekend. And why would I junk that up? <clears throat> and I'm not in any way saying that you should junk that up. What I'm saying is what is that? 
What is that feeling that you have? What is that big idea that maybe is too big to even bring up to someone? And start to relish it and start to write about it and speak about it. Um, One of my practices when I have something that scares me a little bit is I will just dictate. I'll just dictate my true feelings about it. And it's almost like once you dictate it, it, it gets out of the brain and it becomes something you can look at intelligently and logically and say, why am I afraid of that? There's no good reason I'm afraid of that. But when it's part of you, when it's I'm afraid of that and not this person is afraid of that, uh, the fear becomes overwhelming. So are you, are you living a small life? Uh, Chris Worthwine used to tell me, one of my clients who owns a company called Five Medicom, say, are you a mice, are you a mouse, or are you a man? Are your dreams mouse-like or are they man-like or are they god-like? Woo, you forgot about that part. So thinking too small was one of my mistakes. And and that's a hard one for me to, you know, give you some kind of prescription here on a podcast. But think about those places in your life. They, they become obvious. When, when you listen to this and maybe you listen to it again and get out a piece of paper and start thinking, where in my life am I living small? And trust me, I am living small in many parts of my life. Mistake number three, and I still make it today, is I did not, I dabbled in online content. I dabbled in it. And by dabbled, I mean I released a podcast once a week. We still do this podcast once a week. I do the advanced selling podcast once a week. Um, At a time when the largest podcasts are not weekly, they're daily. And and the question is, do, do I or do you have something to say every day? And chances are we do, because we are exposed to clients and situations and challenges and problems and solutions. And so there's not a day goes by that I couldn't record something. But I've, I've dabbled in it, and I haven't gone to an everyday podcast. Or it doesn't have to be an everyday podcast for you. What is it for you? Where are you dabbling in the content that you're creating? If you're creating one video every six months for LinkedIn, and it's taking you a hundred hours to produce the video. I can see why you're dabbling. It just takes it just takes too much time. But once every six months, or even once a month, is a dabble, and we haven't yet. And, and for those of us who are older, I think it's easier for us to to put a block up and say, "Oh, come on, do we really need to post something every day? Do we really need to? Who's who's really going to be watching every day?" And here's my answer to that. Someone who matters will watch that. And I'm, I'm not a big believer in, well, if it touches one person, well, there's 350 million people in the U.S., 7 billion on the planet. I'd like to touch more than one person with my stuff. So I post not every day, but I post five to six times a week. And I'm constantly doing graphics, and, and Travis and I are doing um uh, you know, quotes that help you think a little bit differently. And so the question I have of you is, are you dabbling in your content? Are you dabbling in building your personal brand? I bet you are. I bet you are. And part of it is you and I have not embraced this idea of of personal branding online, yet we still feel like the game is played offline. And it's not. The game is not played offline. There is part of the game is played offline. When someone sees your content and calls you and says, hey, 
I need to, you know, maybe you're a commercial realtor and you're selling and buying shopping centers and somebody sees your video and they say, hey, you know what, uh, Bill or Bob, um, I've seen your videos. I think we're going to make a move here and I'd like you to come over and talk to us. You don't know when that person has watched your video. You don't know how long that person has to watch your content. It could be once or it could be five years. I had a, a person call me about two weeks ago, and uh, she had been listening to the podcast for many years. But now she was in a position where she needed help. And we talked, and we worked out the details, and we've already started uh, coaching. So you just don't know who you're speaking with when you're speaking. But my, my mistake here was not doubling down on content. And as I said earlier, I'm still making that mistake. When we produce uh, a Bill Caskey podcast, we always video record it because I'm looking into the camera here. And that takes a little bit of, it's kind of weird because I'm looking into a camera with three dark holes with a light behind it. And I don't know who's on the other end. So I'm talking to this camera as if it's a human being, which is very odd. But I'm presuming that when you finally see it, it feels a little bit like I'm addressing you and like I'm in rapport with you. So that's something that we have just started here in the last six months. Is it paying dividends yet? I don't know. I'm doing the podcast. Why not look into a camera and do it along with my Shure SMB7 microphone? Okay, so that's mistake number three. Get get out of the dabbling phase of online content. Get into something a little bit more serious. Mistake number four, I didn't create something that was easy to connect with online. And I, I do think we're pretty good at that. Travis uh, in, in my office has done a good job and we've worked together to, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason, or if you want to talk to me about your team or about coaching or about some of our work, you can go to BillCaskey.com and it's pretty easy to get on my calendar. I don't, I ask you a few questions if you book a call with me, but it's pretty easy. And also, we give away a lot of free information, free booklets, uh, what we'll call lead magnets, just things that I find are useful, checklists, things like that. We just did the Million Dollar Seller. If you have uh, not uh, downloaded that, make sure you go download the Million Dollar Seller. You can go to BillCaskey.com and find it there somewhere in the upper echelons of that page. But I want to make it easy, and I don't think I did early. I think we're doing that now. So my question to you is, do you make it easy to buy? Is it easy for your customer to buy? And if you sell a product that, well, we don't, we don't do the transaction on the internet. I get that. But are you making it easy for them to book a call, to find out more, to give you their email address so that they can then download something? I see these websites sometimes. People come to me and they say, look, I want you to train our sales team. And one thing that I always do is look at their, the first place I go is their website. And I want to know, is their website conducive to people wanting to engage in some way? I mean, isn't that sales? Isn't step one engagement? And if your website or your marketing team doesn't understand what it, what the first step is in engagement, and they build this million-dollar website that doesn't allow people to engage, how smart is that? That's idiotic. That's foolish. So I'm constantly looking at that. And it amazes me at how few companies have a web presence that allows easy engagement. So are you making it easier for easy for your customers to buy or to reach out or to book a call or to find out more? The rule is, from what I understand and what I've read, and I think it's probably legit, is that a person has to consume your, your content for five to seven hours before they feel comfortable 
making a call to you. I don't know if it's 10. It could be three in your world. You could be so good at video. It's like five minutes and I just want to work with you. could be that. But there is a point where people need to see more of you. Are you giving them that chance? So not only A, are you making it easy for them to engage, but also to book that first call. And have somebody look at that. Have your your partner, spouse, uh, somebody at your church, at your playground, parent, say, look, I'm doing a little research now to see how easy you think it is to buy. Because you'll look at the site and say, well, I see it every day. Yeah, it looks pretty easy. It's right down there in the corner, hidden underneath a blanket. You see it down there? But the average person says, I never saw that. So think about that. Are you making it easy to buy? I didn't. That was a mistake I made. Don't make it. Mistake number five. I was too stingy with my work. And this is kind of a cousin to I never, I dabbled in content. I never went all in. And and I think I've been too stingy with some of what I think are some pretty solid concepts and ideas. And I give a lot on this podcast. I give a lot on advanced selling podcast. I give a lot in my YouTube videos. I could probably give more. And I could probably give more of the, the behind the scenes part where it's not, it's not just here's the cake, but how was that cake made and how did you string those things together and what elements, uh, for example, one thing that I've thought about doing and haven't done and need to, and you guys should hold me accountable for this, is if you're a VP of sales, uh, you should be considering a one-year sales training program, not from me or maybe from anybody, but on your own. And so could I help you do that? Could I create a product that maybe is a, a modestly priced product where I say, look, here's a whole year of training for your team. You buy at one price, you get, all the, you get all the assets, you get exactly how to do it. Why isn't that a good product? But I've been stingy with that. And again, I'm not talking about giving it away for free, although I may give some of it away for free. But are you stingy with your knowledge? You've accumulated a, a lot of knowledge over your years of doing the work, serving customers, finding problems, I bet you're too stingy with it. I bet you really haven't let let some good stuff out because you say to yourself, well, I don't want to let the good stuff out. So I hope you've learned from these mistakes that I've made. And as I said, some of them I continue to make. The stingy, the, the doubling down on content. And then the question at some point becomes, well, how much is how much is enough? I mean, you can drive yourself nuts with fixing these five things, and they never get fixed totally. All I'm looking for is some improvement. I just want to work my way down the spectrum. As we've said, everything's a spectrum in life. Everything is a spectrum. In fact, I'm going to be doing a podcast on the seven the seven spectrums that I think we should look at if we're going to really reach our potential. What are those and where are we on those? Kind of a self-assessment. I'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks. But I wanted to share these mistakes with you because I don't want you to keep making them if you are making them now. Hopefully you have seen the light like I have. And also then the meta, metaphysical part of this or the meta part is share those mistakes with other people. Uh, share those mistakes with, if you're a VP of sales, sales, share them with your team. There's no harm in sharing past failures, you know, less than successes, mistakes, whatever you want to call them, because we all learn lessons from them. 
the more mistakes we make, the more lessons we learn, and the, and the richer we become, not just in financial terms, but everything else. So I wanted to share those with you today. Once again, if you're interested in the personal business planning session, the link below, it happens on December 6th. If you're listening to this prior to that, make sure you go. I'm limiting it to 100 people. It's a way for you to plan with my framework called the Planning Grid for 2024. And we'll be running it one time. 100 people is all. Uh, is there a chance I'll run it again? Maybe, but I'm more focused on just getting the 100 people. And it's $97 tuition, very modest. And it's a two-hour session on December 6th at noon. I'd love to have you there if you'd like to. If you're so inclined to want to make 2024 an amazing year and have a plan to execute on. I'll see you next time. Bye.